1 Corinthians chapter number 10. That got you and me both a little warmed up tonight, I believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to give you three simple thoughts this evening on something we all face, and that is temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's begin reading in verse number 12. The Word of God says this, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Look at verse 13 again. Let's read it once more and we'll pray. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Father, Lord, we thank You for this time that You've given us. Now help us in these next few moments. Our flesh would seek to lay down and give up. But Lord, we're not depending on the arm of flesh tonight. We just pray that our spiritual man would be renewed. Lord, that You'd be given glory and that You'd give us the help tonight that we need. Father, we love You and we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, there's, this is a passage of Scripture that's been misquoted often. How many of you have heard somebody say something like this in relation to trials that you're facing or difficulties you're facing? And they'll say something like this, Well, God will never put more on you than you can bear. You ever heard somebody say that? Let me say that is in direct contradiction to Scripture. Paul says that when they were uh, in Achaia, that uh, God put more on them than they could bear. And he said that we were, uh, you know, pressed out beyond measure. And he says that God put more on us than we could handle. He literally put more pressure on us than we could take on our own. And we found in ourselves, Paul said, the sentence of death. Why? That we might have hope in God, that we might trust in God who raiseth the dead. And so you've heard people say that before. And I understand why people say that when they're discouraged, when they're facing difficulty. They want to believe that they can handle it. We'd be a lot better off if we'd just admit we can't handle it and go to the one that can handle it and let him handle it. Amen? But uh, as we read that uh, passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we find the true context and the true application and the true exposition of what this verse is talking about. Now, it's very true that there are times in the Bible when the word temptation relates to the idea of trial or affliction. But it's plainly clear from our context that that is not what Paul's saying because he makes this statement at the end of this verse. He says, "...but will with the temptation also make a way to escape." Let me say this, it's not always the will of God for you to get out of your suffering. There's times that God has a will through your suffering, not a way out of your suffering. But God promises us in this passage in relation to temptation, we believe that to be the solicitation to sin. And again, that's clear even from the next verse. It says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Paul's not talking about suffering here. He's talking about sin here. And he says this, that no matter what temptation to sin that you're facing, no matter what the world may throw at you to try to get you uh, to uh, commit iniquity against a thrice holy God, that God will always provide you a means to escape and to do the right thing. And so in this passage, I want us to notice three things this evening. Now, I've got a feeling I'm going to be brief, but that ain't always true. Amen? 
But I'll tell you what, the faster you listen, the faster I'll preach. I'll just try to keep up with how fast you're listening tonight. I want you, hey man, I like that. Brother Ted, he got lit up then, didn't he? I want us to notice three things this evening. First off, I want you to note with me the reality of temptation. Now, what's the first thing that Paul says in verse 12? He says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Now, I've met some of those folks that are perfect and never sin. At least in their mind they are. But oftentimes when you begin to look at their life, they have the same problems that you and I have. I've told it before, but I'll share it again. I tell pastors this all the time. uh, That, uh, you know, we're not like some of them churches with members that are made of marble and stone that don't have any problems or difficulties, that don't never mess up. God didn't call me to pastor a church like that. God called me to pastor a church full of people that are sinners, saved by the grace of God, but still battle a, a, a depraved and iniquitous flesh, that we still face difficulty, but we also still sometimes... Just, uh, just plain out mess up. Any of you out there just ever just plain out mess up? It ain't nobody's fault but yours. Nobody got you to do it. You just did it on your own. You didn't do it because you had to, because none of us do it because we have to. You did it because you wanted to. You know that it's wrong. You know that it's sin. You gave in to temptation. Now, I don't know about you, neighbor, but that's me sometimes. Sometimes I just flat out sin. Amen? Sometimes I just flat out sin. I mean, there ain't no way to paint it any better than that. I just do the wrong thing sometimes. Well, Paul says this, that any man out there that thinks that he can stand on his own two feet, anybody out there that thinks he's never going to face temptation, anybody out there that thinks they can do this thing on their own, you better be careful because you're the exact type of person that's primed for a fall. You've heard it before that we're, uh, that uh, pride goeth before a fall. Uh, that, and a haughty spirit uh, goes uh, before uh, people's calamities and their mistakes. One sure thing about it, you hear someone get out there bragging that they're never going to mess up. You better pay attention. They're getting ready to mess up. So Paul begins with this warning, with, with this exhortation. And then he gives this to us in verse 13. He says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common... To man. Now, there's two things we can learn from that phrase. One of them is this, that everybody is tempted. And the second thing that we can learn is the temptation that you and I face is the same kind of temptation that somebody else somewhere is facing. Again, there's some folks say, well, you know, I'm just not tempted by things. Can I just say this? Let me give you a quick word. Temptation does not only pertain to wicked and filthy sins of the flesh that are apparent to the eyes and are abhorrent to society. There are plenty of things that society says is quite all right that's offensive to a holy God. And it doesn't, listen, it doesn't have to be lust, it doesn't have to be lying, it doesn't have to be stealing, uh, it doesn't have to be adultery for it to be sin. There's lots of things that we're tempted to do. Can I ask you this? You ever been tempted to lose your temper? Sure. You ever been tempted to be ugly towards son? Now, I know there ain't nobody out there like this, but there might be one or two that's been tempted sometimes to give somebody a piece of their mind. Ever happened to you? One day the Lord convicted me. I wanted to give somebody a piece of my mind. The Lord said, son, you ain't got too much to give away. You better hang on to everything that you've got. I'm tempted sometimes to get in the flesh. I'm tempted to get angry. And sometimes I do get angry. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I act selfish. Sometimes I get prideful. See, all these things are things that I battle, and they're probably things that you battle too. The reality is everybody in this room, we all face temptation of some sort. There is nobody exempt from temptation, not only in this room, but all over God's green earth tonight. Every single one of us face temptation because temptation is common to man. 
We all face it. But then let me exhort you for a moment in saying this, that I understand not everybody's tempted by the same thing. Isn't that true? There may be things tempt me that don't bother you. There may be things that tempt you that don't bother me. But one thing about it, uh, whatever tempts you, there's somebody that it tempts as well. There's somebody else that knows what you're going through. Now, we don't have to go out and find that person. You know why? Because our high priest was tempted in all points like as we are too. We don't have to go seek that person out because the very Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us, He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going, go ahead and own up to the reality that temptation is going to be present in your life. You're going to want to do the wrong thing sometimes. doesn't mean that you're any worse or any better than the guy sitting next to you. Uh, but you're going to want to do the wrong thing sometimes. But understand that there's a God in heaven that can sustain you during those times. Now, go ahead and own that reality. It's it, it, good. We're going to do, a, do an exercise. Is that okay? I know, I, I know you didn't come to church to exercise, and I didn't either. Somebody say amen there. But let's try this, okay? Let's try this. I am tempted. Can we all say that together? I am tempted. Sure you are. Now, you've already admitted it. You've got the first part passed. Now, what do we do when we're tempted? Well, I want you to know the second thing. I told you you're listening good and fast, so I'll preach fast. There is a reality of temptation. We all face it, so we might as well acknowledge that, but I'm thankful tonight that there's a resource in the midst of temptation. Look what it says. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God. This is another one of those verses where God just butts in and changes things. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. I like this, and let me tell you why. Because the answer to any problem that we face is to seek the countenance of God and the favor of God. doesn't matter what we go through, but let me say this, that there is both a supernatural, or we might say a spiritual, uh, application of this uh, passage. Certainly, when we're uh, facing temptation, isn't this interesting? Look back at verse 12 with me. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now, stop and think about those two postures that Paul points out. He says, you think you're standing, but you're not standing. But you better be careful so that you don't fall. So if we're not supposed to stand, but we're trying to keep from falling, where exactly does God want you and I to be when we face temptation? Could I just propose this to you, that there's only one posture you and I are to take when we're facing temptation, and it's not to stand up and claim we can do it on our own, nor is it to give in to temptation and fall flat on our face, but rather could it be that when we face temptation, the way to face it is to kneel and to seek help from the God of heaven? There's nothing wrong with praying and asking God for help. Hey, let me tell you something. God already knows you. You say, well, I'd be ashamed to admit that before God. You mean the God that knows everything? You'd be ashamed to admit that you're tempted in front of the God that knows everything? I've got news for you, friend. Whether you admit it or not, God is already aware of it. Listen, I don't know what kind of sin it may be, and it doesn't matter what kind of sin it is uh, as far as between me and you. It matters between you and God, but it doesn't matter between you and me. Whatever it is that you're facing, go ahead and pray about it and ask God for the strength and the help that you need. Isn't it interesting the way that Paul says it? He says, he doesn't say, but God is powerful. Now, he could have said that, God is powerful. He doesn't say, but God is omniscient. Now, he could have said that, God knows everything. 
Uh, He doesn't say, but God is holy. Now, we all know that God is a holy God. But what is the attribute to which Paul points in the midst of our temptation? He says, this is the thing you ought to cling to about God in the midst of your temptation, and that is that God is faithful. Now, why is it that Paul points to that? Could it be that Paul is trying to remind us that God has led our steps And though we are facing temptation, God has placed us there, not that it might sink us, but that it might separate us and draw us closer to Him. I'm not advocating temptation tonight. Somebody say amen so I know you're with me. I'm not advocating temptation. Uh, But I know this, that that, uh, God, uh, though we ought to pray that He leadeth us not into temptation, that's what we're exhorted to do. God understands we're going to face temptation sometimes. And I understand this, that when we face temptation, when we choose God above ourselves, that strengthens our faith. Now, God is a faithful God. He knew you was going to be where you're at. There are times that I have been tempted because I got myself into a mess. Any of you ever been there before? There's been times that Paul addressed that when he said this, not make any provision for the flesh. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, don't play games with sin. If you know that you're prone to do something, then don't allow an opportunity to do it. In other words, I, listen, if you've got a problem with liquor, don't, don't uh, keep a bottle of cooking sherry. Somebody say amen to that. Right? I, I, I mean, hey, you know, I mean, if, if you've if you got a problem with lying, maybe you ought to get somebody to help keep you accountable and hold you accountable. So what I'm saying is this, and what I believe Paul was saying was this, that as you struggle with things, you ought to do whatever it takes to try to keep from There have been times when I've got myself in a mess, but let me say this, there are times when I have not got myself in a mess, and I've wound up in a mess just the same. Can I point to an Old Testament figure that I think we could identify with? And that's the person of Joseph. Joseph wasn't doing anything. Joseph didn't put himself in Potiphar's house. God put Joseph in Potiphar's house. Now, go ahead and let that mess up your theology, but it's Bible just the same. God had placed Joseph right where Joseph was. Joseph didn't choose to be sold into slavery. Joseph didn't uh, didn't choose to be brought down into Egypt. Joseph didn't choose to be betrayed by his brethren. But here he is, just the same. He's in Potiphar's house. He's only in the situation he's in, not because he wasn't serving God, but because he was serving God. And here he is faced with temptation. Now, Joseph had a choice. Joseph had a choice. You've heard preachers say it for years, I'm sure, but Joseph chose to lose his coat, keep his character. He understood this, that if God had placed him in this situation, God would make a way for him to get out of this situation. Let me tell you something, it cost Joseph something to resist temptation. It cost him something. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, look at him for the next 12 years in prison and tell me it didn't cost him something. Uh, look at him in despair and tell me it didn't cause... It cost him something to resist temptation. But God still made a way for him to resist it. I, I think uh, there's a spiritual application of that truth. But then I think there's practical application, which is this. When we're facing temptation, it'd be good for us to just go ahead and get our mind on the Lord. And we might find that if nothing else, I'd shame our flesh into making the right decision. Uh, the, the associate pastor where I grew up, and, and you, you won't find a sweeter man than he was. And he was just country, you know, and, and he, uh, he was raised out in the country. When you're raised out in the country, and I'm talking about country, Pawpaw Holler, Kentucky was where he was raised. Now, I mean, that's country. That's not, that's, not, that's not just country. That's country, you know. 
and uh, raised out there. Everybody, you know, everybody raised tobacco and used tobacco and smoked tobacco. And so when he uh, got saved and then when he gave his life to the Lord, he, he still smoked. God convicted him about it and he wanted to quit. And so he, he, would, he took that pack of cigarettes out of his shirt pocket and he put a little New Testament there. And he found this to be true, that every time he reached for that pack, he'd grab hold of that New Testament and he'd pull it out and he'd begin to read it. And through that, God gave him deliverance of that which he was trying to seek deliverance from. He said, what are you driving at, preacher? What I'm trying to say is this tonight. When we seek the Lord in the midst of temptation, we're bound to find Him. And when we find Him, we're going to find the help and strength we need. He is our resource in the midst of temptation. And finally, I want to say a word about this. I want you to notice the responsibility for resisting temptation. Notice what it says. Look at the end of the verse says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Now, we could pause there and preach for a long time. We'll probably say a word about it. But let me say this, that God has done His part now. Once you read to that place in the verse, there's nothing else for God to do. He's already done it. He's been faithful. He's made a way of escape. He's done everything that you need for you to get out of temptation. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you've still wound up giving in to temptation. Now, how does that happen? Well, look what it says. That ye may be able to bear it. You know why I gave in to temptation? Because I wanted to give in to temptation. And let me just boil it down to this simple statement. Nobody can make a choice for you but you. You have to decide to do the right thing. Now, you can cry about it. You can lament about it. You can feel sorry about it. You can call Dr. Phil and tell him all about it. But the only thing that's going to make you quit is if you quit. The only thing that's going to make you do better is if you do better. The only thing that's going to make you get out of temptation once God's made a way for you to get out of temptation is to get out of temptation. That's the only thing. And so you and I, we bear responsibility. Nobody can do that for us. And we listen, we can blame our mamas and our daddies and our raising and our teachers. And we can blame... And you see the world do that all the time. I mean, listen, somebody goes off, cuts somebody's head off, and, you know, stuffs their freezer full of bodies. The next thing you know, it's mama's fault. Now, I don't care who you are. Can't nobody raise a child that bad. At some point, there is personal responsibility. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, God has made a way... But you have to go through the door. He's made a way of escape, but it's on you to do it. Now you say, preacher, I've tried to do it before. I've messed up. Well, welcome to the club. You know, I like John's message, and we ain't going to preach out of 1 John tonight, but I like John's message in 1 John. Uh, He spends several verses saying, hey, uh, sin ain't good. (laughs) And uh, you ought not commit sin. You ought not commit yourself to sin. And, And if you do that, if you commit yourself to sin, if you practice sin on a consistent basis, that's a good indicator that you have never been born again. If you can live in sin and it doesn't bother you. And and he goes through this big, long list. And then he says this. He says, the reason I wrote this, these things have I written that you sin not. He said, I'm saying these things so that you don't sin. But then he says this, and if any man sin. So evidently John understood men were going to sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He said, I messed up, preacher. Well, that's okay. Uh, that's what First John 1, 9 is for. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've messed up. You don't have to stay messed up. You've sinned. You don't have to live in sin. We all sin at times, but you don't have to live there. You don't have to make it. I mean, listen, you don't have to change your mailing address to there. You can get right. You can live right. You can do right. I didn't say perfect. I didn't say sinless, but I did say right. And you can. You can live right. 
But it's on you to make that decision. Now, it's not on you to have the strength to do it. God's got to give you the strength to do it. But I know lots of folks that claim they ain't got the strength when what it really is is they ain't got the will. They say they haven't got the strength, but it's really they ain't got the desire. Uh, They don't want to get out of sin. They don't want to get sin out of their life. Well, it's on you to make that decision just like it's on me. So here's the question this evening. If God through His Word has convicted you, I wonder if you'd be willing to take that third and final step and say, I will take responsibility. I will confess and forsake it and ask God's forgiveness. And by His grace and help, I'll try to live for Him and for His glory.